Greetings to the brightest audience in the country and welcome to the Dominic and Yarrett Show. I hope you are all having a fantastic Tuesday. I certainly am. I am in high spirits and I am glad to be back on the air. I took off last week as I was attending the fourth annual Free the States conference in Kansas. And this conference, it had a big impact on me. And I would like to give a recap of that today. And so if you are not familiar, Free the States is a rebranding of sorts of the anti-abortion group Abolish Human Abortion. And with that rebranding, I don't actually, I'm not actually thrilled with the rebranding. I like it when the name of your group says what it is that you are, what you do. And so abolish human abortion, you know exactly what that group wants to do. They want to abolish human abortion, but you know, free the states, uh, you wouldn't know that they are an anti-abortion group just from that name, free the states. Um, but so now this group, they aren't the typical pro-life organization that you'll always hear about, far from it. Rather, this group supports what we have been calling for on this show and what Bob and Your Live was calling for for the past 25 years, which is that they call for the complete and total abolition of abortion. See, the vast majority of the pro-life movement has this mindset of oh, well, we should just be happy if we can ju just regulate abortion. And if we regulate abortion, then we should be happy because we'll never actually be able to fully abolish abortion. We can never get rid of all abortion, so we should just regulate it. And then somehow we're supposed to believe that's any better. So, you know, oh, you're not allowed to kill your baby unless you give your baby painkillers first. Or, oh, you're not allowed to kill your baby unless a judge or your parent signs off on this form. Or, oh, you're not allowed to kill this baby unless you wait and think about it for a day. And so murdering a baby is wrong, we hear from the pro-life movement, unless you think about it for a little bit. Uh, that is the idea that the mainstream pro-life movement wants our laws to reflect. And so the mainstream pro-life movement, they have been fighting tooth and nail for 50 years, 50 years to regulate the slaughter of children. And if you are a longtime listener of this show of the Dominic and Yurt show of Bob and Yurt, and Yurt Live, you'll know that we have covered in depth why you should not support the regulation of abortion. First of all, it doesn't work strategically, but more importantly, it doesn't work morally. Morally, of course, because we, especially as Christians, we do not have the right to compromise on God's enduring command, thou shalt not murder. We are not to compromise on that, just like how we can't compromise on other commands. Imagine, say, imagine rape, if rape were legal and we as Christians were trying to fight against it. And imagine if we said, okay, well, rape is legal. We have to, we have to fight it, but there's no way we could ever abolish it. So let's just regulate it instead. Let's, let's just say, uh, whenever you rape someone, you have to make sure you get tested for an STD before you rape 
uh, this this girl. Or if you want to rape this girl, you have to sit there and think about it. Oh, do I really want to rape this girl? I have to think about that for 24 hours. That's essentially what the pro-life laws are like with abortion. So imagine the Christian community said that with rape. With that example of rape, it's very clear. It's obviously abhorrent in its it's so obviously immoral, and it is such a blatant compromise on morality, yet with abortion, with the murder of children, we do it all the time. We do it all the time, and it is immoral. And now, not only is it immoral, but it's also strategically ineffective. Why? Well, um, a few reasons and I'll only discuss this briefly, but it, it, it is worth pointing out that the pro-life movement has been doing this for 50 years without success. And so, right, you always hear what's the definition of insanity, trying the same thing over and over and expecting different results. We've been trying the same thing for 50 years and babies, the number of abortions are going up, right? You hear the surgical number of abortions is going down, and that's true, but the number of abortions, children who are murdered via the pill, that is going way up. So abortions are on the rise, and the typical pro-life strategy hasn't been working. And so why is that? Why do these regulations not work? Well, reason number one, regulations, they make us seem much more humane. And so say that painkiller regulation, the pro-life uh, painkiller regulation that pro-life groups have been advocating for for decades. They say you can only have a surgical abortion if you give the baby painkiller before you kill the child. And well, there are a lot of people who hate abortion because of the brutality of it. Uh, they see how evil and inhumane it is. They see how much it tortures a child in the womb. And then these painkiller laws, they get passed. And those who hate abortion, even those who are on our side, when they see these laws get passed, they feel slightly better about it. They feel slightly better about the murder of children. They feel as if it is slightly less abhorrent. And there are some mothers who will now actually abort their child because of this painkiller law. So I've spent a lot of time fighting against abortion, pleading with mothers not to kill their children. Uh, I've held signs. I've gone to marches. I've supported and opposed various abor abortion legislature. Uh, and the whole nine yards, I've done it all. And I've seen a lot of different strategies to try to reach these mothers. And one of the most cutting, brutal, effective signs that I've ever seen, it didn't have any images on it. It didn't have a picture of a baby. It didn't have any, anything like that. It just had, had words. And it just said in quotation, mommy, will it hurt? Mommy, will it hurt? And the first time I, I saw that, it sent shivers down my spine. That was one of the most powerful messages I've ever seen. And, I, and I've seen a, a, a lot. And now that message, because of the pro-life movement, because of pro-lifers fighting tooth and nail for these painkiller laws, Planned Parenthood can comfort these mothers and say, it's okay, we use, we use a lot of painkillers. 
the pain receptors in your womb, uh, those pain receptors, they won't feel a thing. Don't worry about it. And so undoubtedly, right, you have a mom who is on the fence considering getting an abortion, considering murdering her, her own child. Is that going to tip the scales? Yes, absolutely. Definitely it will. Absolutely. That will tip the scales and remove one stumbling block between her, her child, and an abortion. And why? Why is that? Well, because it makes abortion seem more humane. The pro-life movement fights tooth and nail to remove stumbling blocks between mothers and abortions. Very often, the pro-life movement has good intentions, but very foolish execution. Uh, number two, it makes the issue much less important to activists. And so you might have noticed there's really not a lot of debate about abortion in Europe. And for the most part, right, there's a little bit here and there, but for the most part, there's really not a big abortion debate in Europe. It's just, it's quiet over there. And why is that? Well, that's, it's not because abortion doesn't happen there. It does. It happens a lot there. But in Europe, there is so much regulation around abortion that the people of Europe think abortion is humane. They think it's normal, even the more conservative Republican types in Europe. They think it's acceptable. And so the pro-life movement in Europe, it has been killed by its own regulations. And it's the same thing that will happen here in America if we let it. Pro-life laws regulate child killing, and then pro-lifers feel satisfied as millions of kids are aborted left and right. They just look around and they say, well, we have these regulations, so it's okay. And so not only do pro-life laws kill children and allow for children to be murdered, they also kill the pro-life movement itself. Number three, regulating child killing, it undercuts our entire argument. So say, take the 24-hour waiting period regulation that a lot of uh, pro-lifers try to get out there. They, they say, if you want an abortion, you have to wait 24 hours, and then you can have an abortion. You need time to think about it. And that undercuts our entire position because the entire pro-life position is that nobody should be allowed to choose to murder a baby. And with a law like this, what are we doing? We're, well, we are telling the opposition, we are telling the enemy, hey guys, hey pro-aborts, your fundamental premise is accurate. You are correct that abortion should be a choice. And not only do we agree with you that it should be a choice, but we want to give mothers extra tools required to make the best choice for them, right? That's what we say. Give them 24 hours. That way they make the best choice. So we are feeding directly into the pro-choice premise, the main pro-choice premise, which is that this is a choice for the mother. And we don't believe that. We don't even believe that. It should be a choice. Yet all of the laws that the pro-choice, the pro-life movement supports, all of our own laws affirm that this is fundamentally an issue about choice. That's what we affirm in our laws, and we undermine our entire argument by doing so. 
The entire anti-abortion argument is that it's a baby and you should not be allowed to murder a baby. You should not be allowed to choose that. Uh, with our mouths, we say that, yet with the laws we support, we say the exact opposite, the exact opposite. And so I attended this Free the States conference. Free the, the States is a group that opposes this mainstream pro-life ideology. Free the States is a group that says, hey, so this strategy of regulating child killing, it hasn't been working for the past 50 years. So yeah, let, let's try something else instead. And Free the States, they support the complete and total abolition of abortion. In one fell swoop, get rid of all abortion. Uh, no more giving the enemy an inch of ground. No more compromise. Uh, because when you do that, when you give the left, when you give them an inch, they will take a mile. And then what do they do with that mile? Well, they drive 60 million dead children through that mile. So no, no more compromise with child killers, no more uh, negotiations with them. It's time that we demand complete and total abolition of abortion. And so uh, Free the States, this group, the reason they call themselves Free the States is because they believe that the states, all of the individual states in the U.S. should be free, regardless of any federal jurisdiction, to say abortion is murder and we will criminalize it in this state. And so there have been bills which have made it a decent way through the legislative process in many states that have said abortion is murder and we will criminalize it in this state and, you know, before the fall of Roe v. Wade, they would actually say as part of the bill, the bill requires the state to enforce homicide and assault provisions without regard to the opinion of the United States Supreme Court in Roe v. Wade and other Supreme Court decisions past and future. Now that, that was actually a direct quote from an actual bill proposed here in Colorado that got more support than we thought it would. Um, and that was HB 1079. I know a bunch of us here in the uh, Colorado anti-abortion fight, we want to support that. And so free the states. Every state should be free to prosecute criminals who would murder their own children. Now, my father and predecessor, the late great Bob Enyart, uh, behind closed doors, I don't think he ever made this public, but he was a little bit skeptical of free the states. And he was skeptical because, as he said for decades, no government jurisdiction has the authority to decide whether or not abortion should be legal. And so there's no town, there's no like county, there, there's no region, there is no state, there's no federal body that has the authority to say murdering children is now acceptable. This is not something that as humans we have the right to take a vote on. We can't take a vote and decide, okay, yeah, abortion, uh, here's what we think of it, because God, God already laid out what the law for abortion should be, which is that you're not allowed to do it, thou shalt not murder. And so there is no jurisdiction which is able to 
uh, make a decision on the matter. And so his concern, it was appropriate, but after attending the conference, I was encouraged to hear Russell Hunter. He's the head of Free the States. Uh, I heard him say that each state should be free to criminalize, prosecute, and punish abortion and its assailants. However, However, states should not be free to choose that they want abortion. States do not have that right. And so I was very encouraged to hear that. Now, Free the States, they have been promoting a message um, for a long time that I've always liked, but I haven't completely agreed with. But it's definitely starting to sway me, which is that Free the States, they advocate using the gospel as the primary way to abolish abortion in the United States. So use the gospel as your primary tool of getting the opposition to change their minds and to repent on abortion. Now, of course, I've always supported preaching the gospel. I myself preach the gospel. Those around me preach it. And as believers, we have an obligation to preach the gospel. We have an obligation to spread the good news. But I've never so much viewed it as a method for abolishing abortion until recently. Uh, See, my main thought process was similar to that of many pro-lifers. I've always thought, well, you know, pro-choicers, they don't agree with the Bible. So perhaps using it to convince them of life, perhaps that is not the best strategy. And I thought, if you just explain how we know it's a baby and say that murdering babies is wrong, uh, that is, that's about the best we can do. And a good while back, I went around and I was asking pro-lifers, hey, those of you who used to be pro-choice but are now pro-life, Uh, What was it that changed your mind? And basically everyone said, well, realizing it was a baby, I didn't know it was a baby, but then when I realized that, then I changed my mind. And so from that, I thought, well, oh, hey, this is, it's a pretty simple issue. We just need to convince people it's a baby. And so how do we do that? Well, the science and the biology, let's see what the scientists say. And right, and that's it's clear that life begins at conception. The science is clear on that. And we've touted this statistic around for a long time. 95% of certified biologists say that life begins at conception. And that's a University of Chicago study of over 5,000 biologists. And so it's quite clearly a baby. From the scientific perspective, this is a new distinct human life. Um, But if you've spent a considerable amount of time fighting against abortion, you will know that explaining explaining to a pro-choice mother um, that this is a baby, this is a distinct human life, and you point to the science, if you've done that a lot, you will know it typically has no effect. Typically, it has no effect. Occasionally, it does, but 98% of the time, Uh, They'll just say something along the lines of, oh, well, I don't care, yada, 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 insert XYZ pro-choice slogan. And so, I don't care? You know, 
sometimes they'll agree that it is a child. It's its own uh, unique person. It's a, its own person. Uh, but then they say, I don't care. And it's like, all right, well, what, what do you, what, what do I do with that? You, you agree that it's a child. You agree that it's murder, that this is a child who you are killing, yet you don't care. What do you, what are you supposed to do with that? What are you supposed to do from that point forward? And that is the majority of the pro-choice crowd. They all know it's a child. They know it's murder, but they don't care. And so what do you do with that? Well, there is really only one thing you can do at that point, which is preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. That is the only thing that there is left to do. When we've supported bills like that one I mentioned before, HB 1079, or opposed bills like 1279 in Colorado, uh, we're testifying before, well, it's we testify before a lot of people, but we've testified before uh, legislative groups like the Colorado Health and Insurance Committee. And as we're testifying before that specific committee, we look up and we're testifying to there's a man in a dress pretending to be a woman, a man who pretends to be a woman. And we seriously look at that. We look at him and we think, I know, I know I'll change his mind with biology. We think that he cares about biology. Uh, of course, science and biology are on our side. That is clear. Biology is clear. Life begins at conception. No question. Yet we think biology matters to this man wearing a dress. That's what we think. That's what the, pro the pro-life crowd thinks. His entire being is shouting as loudly as it can that biology does not matter to him. Yet we use that anyways to try to change his heart. And so this isn't a matter of biology. It's a matter of the human heart. And what has the power to change human hearts? It's not science. It's not, it's not biology. It's the gospel. You are not going to change hearts with a biology textbook. And as much as it might hurt to hear, we're not going to change hearts with our own personal sob stories. It just doesn't work. But what will change hearts, what, what is going to change people's hearts is the gospel. You use the gospel to change people's hearts. As Paul says in Romans chapter 1, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it has the power of God to salvation. The gospel, it is the power of God unto salvation. Isaiah 55, 11 teaches that the word of God, it will not return void. There is power to change hearts in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name. We say that at church a lot, right? We sing hymns that say there's power in the name of Jesus. And then we go out and fight the pro-life fight and we don't use the name of Jesus. So like, what do we expect here? Do we expect that someday we are going to overthrow abortion without using the name of Jesus? We're going to leave Jesus behind and win over abortion without using his gospel and his name? Do you think we're going to be celebrating abortion, abortion being overthrown and Jesus is not going to be at that party? 
Of course, he will be. Of course, Christ, as it turns out, is the main thing that we need to change hearts and minds. And so when you have a man in a dress, do you really think that he cares what the studies say about, you know, oh, biological males have 15% more muscle mass? No, of course he doesn't care about that. He doesn't care because it's not a science issue. It's a heart issue. And the only thing that is left to do is to preach the gospel. And so I have been convinced of that with abortion, that we need to use the gospel as the primary way of changing hearts and minds. And now that's not to say that we can't use studies and we can't use the science alongside the gospel. Of course we can and we should. We should be well informed on the science. Um, The truth, it flows nicely with other truth. So science, it flows nicely with the gospel, yet we should not expect science alone to change hearts. Science, what, what, what does science do? Well, science tells you what? Science tells you what, and the gospel tells you ought. So science tells you what is in your womb. It's a, it's a human child. The Bible tells you ought. The Bible tells you, what you that you ought to love the child in your womb. Science, science does not care what you ought to do. You can't put chemicals in a test tube and then shake them around for 10 million years and then get morality out of it. You can't do that. That'll just never happen. You need God to get your moral standard. And so should the abortion fight be gospel-centered? Yes, it needs to be. And now there is uh, one other difference between free the states and the normal pro-life movement that I completely agree with. And trigger alert here, this is a little bit jarring to a lot of pro-lifers. A lot of pro-lifers do not like to hear this. Mothers who abort their children, mothers who murder their children, are not victims. The pro-life movement loves to say that there are two victims of abortion, that the baby being murdered is a victim. But then they also say, the pro-life movement, the pro-life movement also says that mothers handing wads of cash to abortionists to murder their babies, they say that those mothers are also victims. But this is simply not true. The pro-life movement acts like mothers do not know that it's a child inside their womb, Uh, which, right, that might be true if you're a mother under the age of, what, I don't know, like 19 at worst, giving them the biggest possible benefit of the doubt imaginable. Like, has anyone ever made it to 19 in America and not known that abortion is murder and not known that there is a child in the womb of these pregnant mothers. Like I know, I know literal nine-year-olds who they understand that it's a baby in the womb. It's very obvious. And I've heard stories of, I think it's Anna Ritchie in her book, I am the exception. I think she was raped at, she was young, maybe like nine to, to 11, somewhere in that range. And she knew immediately she hadn't like even gone through sex ed and she knew that the child in her womb was a child when she was just a little girl. And so uh, mothers uh, in the womb, they, uh, mothers, they do know that the child in a womb is a child. And so, 
you know, maybe with, you know, mental disabilities aside, there's never there's never been a woman who's made it to 19 in America who has not understood that the child in the womb is a child. Um, so the reality is women who have abortions, they understand that they are murdering a child. They understand that. It's not, it's not lost on them. They get it. And how do I know this? I'm making a, a pretty big claim about 100% of women in America. How do I know this? Well, I talk to them. I talk to them. And you can go talk to them too if you want. And if you ever go and talk to a woman about abortion, even a pro-choice woman, if you go and talk to a pro-choice woman, it's abundantly clear even they understand it's a baby. And why is it clear? Well, uh, when they say things like, oh, abortion, is a, a, it's a big decision. You hear, you hear them say that a lot. It's like, why? Why is it a big decision? If it's just a clump of cells, then uh, who cares if you just uh, get rid of it? Who cares even the tiniest bit if you just get rid of that clump of cells? It's only a big decision because you're deciding, should I become a murderer for my own convenience or should I not? That's why it's a big decision. That's why it's a stressful, traumatizing decision because you're deciding, should I become a murderer? That's what these women are deciding. And women, again, even pro-choice women, uh, when they have abortions, you know that they understand it's a child because, well, because of how emotional they get about it, right? And so if there's a woman who, you know, maybe she has an abortion when she's 19 and then you go out in public and you say, hey guys, um, maybe abortion is bad and maybe we shouldn't kill babies. If you just go out there and say that. Uh, those women who have had abortions, they will become livid. They will become so unbelievably angry at you. They will have such hatred in their hearts to you just for saying that. And it's like, why? Why would you be so angry? Why would you be so mad? And a lot of the time they, they say, oh, it's because you're trying to oppress us and take away, you know, we need these medical procedures. It's like, really, you're getting mad over that? Is that really what you're getting mad over? I use the example of, right, if I went to a dentist and I had a, I had a tooth pulled or something, and then I went outside and there's some religious freaks and they're all shouting, oh, teeth are people. You can't pull out teeth. Otherwise, you are a murderer. I would think, huh, that's weird. And then I would go about my day and I would never think about it again. I would never, ever, ever think about it again. I would not consider it for more than half of a second before forgetting about it completely. Why? Well, because I know that teeth are not people and I don't care if some insane person thinks that teeth are people. I don't care about that. But these women who have abortions, they are affected. They are affected. They do become emotional. They do feel pain. They do go insane thinking about it. And why? Why is that? Well, I'll tell you, they don't go insane in mass. They don't go insane because they think that a doctor removed some random tissue. They don't think a blob of cells was removed. And that's why they get all emotional about this. That's not enough to make people emotional. You're not guilt ridden for decades, for years and years, when you get your appendix removed. But you are guilt-ridden when you knowingly murder your child. 
And these women, that's exactly what they are. They are women who are knowingly murdering their own children. And so the pro-life movement has this bizarre obsession with diminishing the guilt placed on the heads of those women. It's like, why? Why? Those women, they are guilty. Why in the world would you try to diminish that guilt? The pro-life movement tries to say the guilt is primarily on the abortionist, which, of course, there's tremendous guilt on the abortionist's head. Their hands are soaked with blood. Uh, but that abortionist can't abort any children unless mothers bring their children to him to be aborted. And so, right, the priests who would sacrifice children to the false god Molech, they had blood on their hands. That's true. Uh, but he couldn't have sacrificed any children if those parents of those children didn't bring him any children to sacrifice. And it's like that guy, the abortionists, uh, yeah, they are so, they're beyond just depraved. They are, you know, maybe to borrow a Calvinist term, uh, they are totally depraved. They are beyond sick. God has given them over to a debased mind. And so you can just kind of expect wickedness from them at that point. But parents of a baby, parents of a baby, especially mothers of a baby in the womb, if they are murdering their own child, they are not less responsible than the abortionist because they have an obligation to love their child, right? Mothers, they have an obligation to love their child. That doesn't, that doesn't make them less responsible when they murder their children. It actually makes them more responsible. The abortionist doesn't have that. The abortionist doesn't have an obligation to care for this child for, you know, the rest of its childhood until it's grown. The abortionist doesn't have that obligation, but the mother and the father, they do have that obligation. They do have that obligation. And similar to how teachers have these stricter judgments, parents will have these stricter judgment when it comes to murdering their children. And so if there is an abortionist who murders a child, and then there's the, the parents who gave their child to the abortionist to be murdered, I would guess on the day of judgment, God would say the parents are worse than the abortionist. That would be my guess. And I don't, I don't hold to that uh, Christian cliche that all sins are equal. I think that's very silly. And so free the states, they reject the typical unfortunate pro-life position that women who murder their children are victims. These women are not victims. They are the villains of the story. And so I agree with Free the States when they say that mobs who murder their children should be held legally accountable. I think that's obvious. Mothers who murder their children, they should be faced with the same exact punishment as if I were to murder just some random guy walking down the side of the street. Uh, the fact that moms have an obligation to care for their children, uh, that makes it worse for them when they kill their children. That, that doesn't give them freedom to murder their children. Um, but hey, so this was, I guess this was more a recap of what Free the States stand for this show, not so much of the conference itself. 
Uh, maybe maybe we'll do some of that tomorrow. I know we also wanted to get into the abortion vigilantism discussion. That's super interesting. Uh, but I am out of time. That is going to do it for me here today on the Dominic Enyart Show. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. That would go such a long way to help. And share this video uh, to your pro-life friends who need to get out of their, uh, their pro-life vigor which they are they're they're so many pro-lifers they are so unbelievably uh, passionate about the life issue but they are just so led astray and they're so deep in their own foolishness and they need to come out of that foolishness and protect all children and not regulate the murder of these children who they so desperately want to protect um hey may the lord bless you and may he make his face to shine upon you